Welcome to another episode of Somewhere the Vulture. Today, my guest is Mr. Matt Emmons. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Get in the middle of it. I mean, you are a busy bee right now. You got some stuff cooking. I've I, I've been. Everyone's busy. I think I've been. Yeah, I've been planning this this Kickstarter for maybe a year or two, and then I've been working on this book. So yeah, I've got I've got Gardner out on Kickstarter right now, and it's a whirlwind. And as of today, uh, April 1st, this is the time of recording, uh, you are doubly funded and working towards, you know, higher tiers of uh, things to offer folks. So uh, it must feel good so far. The, the number that it's at now, which is like, I think I haven't checked it in a little while, it's at probably like 32,000, is what I was kind of hopeful we could hit at the end on a really good end. So I don't even know what to think now. I... I I had a good I was like okay I think we can get 15,000. I think we can get this funded and get this book done. And then we hit that in the first day. Yeah, that that's got to be just like over the head. You're like, "Yes." I it feels so nice to have been working on something this long and have people show up like right away and be like, "I really like this." And like now it's, it's just happening. It's so exciting. A couple years ago, I I was in a band and we released an album and we discussed crowdfunding and I was so just, I, maybe it was my ego. I was so nervous. I was like, man, I'll just scrape it up myself. I, I don't, I don't even have the guts to throw it out there. So everyone that, you know, brings themselves to the point where they are willing to throw it out there and to do that whole thing, you know, my hat's off to you. And I'm, I mean, I'm very glad and excited for you that it, that it worked out so far. Um, thank, thank you. It's it is a really scary thing to approach Kickstarter and say, "Hey, here's this thing," because there's that that always that fear of you're just just gonna fall just short of it, or nobody backs it, or nobody looks at it, or anything. But I I, I was terrified to do this one. I've done this is my third Kickstarter, and this is the biggest one that I've done so far. And every, the other two were group projects, sort of. So I was managing like the anthologies I put together. So it was less scary and kind of made me a little a little more confident. So I could at least pretend I know what I'm doing and like I have any sort of control over this. <laughs> now, did you do design it that way? Did you already know uh, when you were doing those anthologies that those were kind of your baby steps up to Gardner? Um, no, I'd been hoping Gardner would just do straight traditional uh, publishing was my initial intent. But as I kept going, I was like, okay, well, I, I'd be sitting on this book for a while, hoping that a, a publisher would start working with me on it. And then after, after a point, I realized it's kind of a weird book. So I was like, I'll just take it to Kickstarter and crowdfund it and let that be another thing I can use as a testament to, hey, here's why I can fit in in, in publishing or just do it myself. I'm sure that carries a lot of weight in conversation when you can say, hey, look, it's already got, you know, a built-in audience, so to speak, that this thing is, you know, this is a valuable IP, people supported it, I've got this product that you can just, you know, hand straight in, and that has to has to help. I hope so. I think even, even like, worst case, it got, it had a really successful kickstarter run and i get to make the book and i'm not hemorrhaging money while doing it so it's really nice that like there's interest in it and it's not just me throwing a book no one cares about into the wind so that's my worst case is still really great you said a couple years the germs of the ideas of that are coming across in the book are those things that 
you know, simply blossomed in the last couple of years, or is this world something that's been with you for quite a long time? Because my impression that it's pretty fleshed out, so it's taken a. It's, it seems like it's been with you for a while. Yeah, it's. I I've been working on it since my senior year of college. So that was I graduated in 2017. So I've been kicking around like the ideas of of the book since since 2016 and I, I made, I w- went to college for animation. So I finished my, my thesis film was a version of this story that is very different, but it was, I was, I was always planning, Oh, okay, here's this, either it's earth or it's another planet. It's super desolate, a hidden garden. Those were all the things I definitely knew I wanted. And then I spent, yeah, I spent an inktober just doing, animal and and human companions or post-human companions and a lot of those random characters ended up rolling together and i was like they all feel like they fit in the same world and then that was what made gardner i would say that with reading uh the the first couple chapters that you were nice enough to share that my first impression was that this thing has familiar things in it but it is definitely different enough to where I couldn't say it's like this or it's like that. And I think that always is kind of a testament to whether someone has, you know, got a, you know, a newly full formed idea and concept just in in basic things like you read books and this, the terminology or the names of things or how you present it, Uh, you know, things like, you know, the mother wall and the names of these characters, uh, everything felt, it didn't feel borrowed, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I, I really enjoyed it. That's cool. I'm glad to hear. I, I think it, it's definitely, uh, the story's a product of all the things I grew up on. I grew up watching like seventies and eighties monster movies and sci-fi and all that stuff. So it's, it's absolutely in there, but I, I like that I sort of dropped off from watching those things and then was kind of making that tone from memory. So I think that helped me not feel like I was just sort of copy pasting me like, Oh, I need this type of thing and this type of character to, to get that feel. I, I was just accidentally remembering that feeling. I think it was an interview or it may have been just like a little preface to uh, something Stephen King wrote. And he had talked about how when he had watched, or no, excuse me, he had read Lord of the Rings. He immediately wanted to go right, but he knew that all he would do is just, write Lord of the Rings again in his own, you know, voice or whatever. And so I think that's interesting that, you know, you were at least uh, conscious enough to drop from those things and that you, you know, let it kind of take off on its own. Because there is definitely, I think that the only thing that I really may have compared it to in my mind, and it it had a lot to do with just, you know, um, I guess the sci-fi elements of it and stuff like that. It it reminded me a little bit of the new Mandalorian show in that, you know, the location and that it's similar to something that we grew up with. But like I said, it's just it's just different enough that you're like, OK, this is interesting and I don't know where it's going to go. Cool. Yeah, I I, I just had um, someone wrote an, uh, a review, too, that compared it to the Mandalorian, which I find really fun because I had all three of these chapters I had been just about finished with since before the Mandalorian came out, which is funny. So it's that same, which I love the Mandalorian because it's that same kind of tone. That's the, the side of star Wars. I enjoy a lot more. And I've always had people kind of say this, this reminds them of star Wars and stuff, which can't argue with because it's, it's that very, 
uh, all the high tech stuff is old and worn down and everything. And then obviously desert planets. So it's, it's very rooted in that kind of uh, almost fantasy treatment of, of science fiction where everything feels more pseudo magical than technologically plausible. But I, I think something that loses me on, I like star Wars, but something that I didn't feel like I could make was a, a, like a planet spanning story. I didn't really have a reason they would go from desert planet to ice planet. I, I really like the idea of focusing on a single planet, even though I don't have a name for it. And I don't think the characters are concerned with the name of the planet. They're just on it. And that's their lot in life. Or at this point, if there was one, it got forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is kind of how I'm making up an excuse for that. I haven't thought of one yet when it comes to reading comics that are, you know, do have a definite beginning, middle, and end, that we know that there's arcs already built in versus, you know, you you get an IP going, you know, with a comics company, you get a couple issues out, it doesn't sell good, and then it, you know, has nowhere to go. People try to cram so much in, at the beginning to, to hook you and to get you invested that that, this feels more uh, organic is such an overused word, but if it does feel that way and that we didn't have to cram, you know, 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag in the first issue just for it to, just for it to work. I, yeah. I think I, I had the benefit of not needing to over explain anything to an audience that I didn't have yet where I, I, I thought about doing, Oh, should I give a, a like a narration? Should I do some kind of explanation of, here's this planet, all this nonsense. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want that. I, I made a book I would want to read or a story I'd want to see in some format. And I like, I found, I found ways to get it. I think chapter two really helps solidify, okay, this is an earth. And then you keep going and, and getting a sense of more of these characters. And I, I'm glad that it works. I'm glad because I could just say all day that this is what I wanted to do. But you as a reader or other people as readers saying that that works is a lot better than me telling you it works. I really enjoyed the attitude of Lars character also, because as you get into the book, it was actually a pretty and I don't know how you know conscious you were when you created you know her arc and where she was coming from. But that she lands in this very, you know, foreign situation, but she was, that's kind of where she was going anyway. It didn't seem really, when we get introduced to her, that she had much of a plan to begin with. So she kind of just lands in it and goes with it because, I mean, hey, uh, I, it just felt, she's kind of like going for the ride and she was like, you know, what I just came out of uh, was so, uh, didn't, you know, she had chosen not to be there anymore. So it's just like, all right, I guess this is what I'm doing. Yeah. It's very much, uh, she's, she's sort of directionless for the majority, for not the majority of the book, but a good chunk of it until she really gets a sense of self for her. And that wasn't, that wasn't as intentional as I, I'd like to admit. I, I, I sort of, had I had things planned, I knew a definite start and end for this whole story. But as it goes, things kind of develop more where certain characters end up being added in or or things later where those those two junkers that were part of her former gang in the alleyway that follow them in chapter two, they were just gonna be that. 
they weren't going to be anything more than that. And then eventually I was like, these guys need to be center characters. So they show up, they get, they're basically the whole of chapter four and then they, they all reconnect and reconvene for the rest of the book. And it's, it, it became something I hadn't planned. So it's, it's, it's kind of fun to have a story that I could be a little freeform like that with and have the character, the main character be, directionless and i was a little more guided than i wrote her as but it, it's kind of fun that i i could just allow her to drop into something and be more attached to it the book itself uh with the three chapters that we've seen do you already have a, a chapter limit like how how many you know episodes so to speak there's going to be there are seven total i i've been drawing it as the kickstarter has been running so i have I think six pages left as of as of this. I have six pages left to draw, and then a few to ink and about a hundred to color, which I am dreading. But it's 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 fun. So I I just focused on I think sometime last year, I I decided I was just gonna try to get it all done because I'd kind of done a chapter a year, which is slow, and I realized if I waited that long there would be too much of a difference in drawing where I'm lucky that I don't hate chapter one having been three years old now. There's things I'd change in one and two, but it's not really beneficial to go in and redraw it all. It wouldn't be my most um, best use of time management, I guess. Okay, that makes sense. So I, I updated some colors and I did make some drawing changes, I think, but... Yeah, I, I've planned, there's seven chapters, and then one of the stretch goals, which we already hit, was an epilogue. So I, it lets me squeeze a little bit more than I wanted that felt rushed otherwise. Okay. So now it'll be it'll be that. So it's going to be around 210 pages total. I mean, that's pretty meaty. I would never choose to do that again on my own. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no, it's a lot. It's a lot. I... I had a professor when I was graduating college who I had told him I wanted to go and do this. I was like, okay, I'm going to immediately go make my first graphic novel. And it's going to be great. He goes, you should just make a single comic first. He goes, I know you, he's like, he's like, I know you can make a song, but I don't know that you can make an album right now. So make a song. And, and I'm really glad he said that because this book would have been way worse had I just tried to do that. Keeping with all of that, did you, want to do it all yourself or did you just feel as though that financially you knew that you could do it all yourself so you thought that would be a better way to do it well i am used to kind of doing all of this stuff myself it never really occurred to me to think about working with a colorist or anything i am having i am working with a letterer so the the chapters i sent you were and the ones that i've sent as previews are lettered by me to varying degrees of success, but I, I am hiring Bernardo Bryce, who's a professional. He's great. And he's going to make the book look so much nicer with all that. So I, I am working with a letter, but everything else I, I kind of, I really like doing. So I'm, I'm very used to the kind of do it yourself mindset. Well, like I said, I'm sure that helps out when it comes to, for your own personal timetables of doing things, not having to uh, be at anyone else's mercy, so to speak, to finishing the book and with uh, with everything you got going as far as self-publishing. Yeah, and it's nice. I don't have to leave somebody hanging where I just got in touch with Bernardo, uh, I think, 
I don't know, I can't remember when, but but planning for the Kickstarter. So it wasn't like I reached out to him and said, hey, I, I'm working on this book very slowly. Do you want a letter, an issue a year? So <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't drag anybody out for that where I'm just going to be giving him everything once it's done and he can just knock it out and I don't have to leave him hanging. Well, I'm sure it's exciting, man. Uh, and I'm excited for you. Thank you. Coming into independent works and reaching out, you never really know. Uh, not that I've had a lot of bad experience with trying to get in touch with people, but when you read something and you know you have an automatic connection to it, uh, that's very uh, it's very cool. And so I was eager, especially after I got the chance to read stuff. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. It, it feels great to hear you say that. It's nice to feel like I've done something successful with what we were talking about with people reading it and you creating more and more questions as things go along and then would hit a tipping point or start to get more answers just because it's already been said in our conversation. I think that is probably the downfall of how every nook and cranny being answered every there, there's no mystery. There's no, you know what I mean? So finding something that fits tonally with your tastes, but at the same time, it's not, everything's not being explained away. And as a reader, you get the opportunity to fill in some of the gaps and, and imagine things and stuff like that. I think that harkens back to more of the success of why we love the things that we love. Yeah. And, and I don't need to know everything, even if I kind of want to, I, I'm intentionally never going to show what bug looks like underneath that suit that I, I think it would disappoint Myself, it would disappoint some people. Some people might like it, but I think the mystery of what has four tongues and looks like that is way better than me deciding. I like how that each character, everyone is seems to be very connected but disconnected. You know, they're kind of all this, all in this together, but nobody really seems to trust each other, and you don't really know where allegiances lie, and it seems like. Each one of them kind of has a chip on their shoulder as far as who's really in charge and what's really going on. So that's that's been that's fun just in those first you know three chapters. I'm glad that that's awesome. I'm so glad that works. I it's it. I was trying to think of how how relationships would kind of work where clearly there's a bigger society, but I'm I'm sort of hyper focusing on maybe ten characters max throughout the whole book and. And so you really get to spend time with a lot of them, and and a lot of them are old in in terms of the story, the disciple and and motherwall and bugs and nebulous age, and a lot of them have been around since the start of the whole attempted colonization of the planet. So there's there's a lot of built up lasting tension from several centuries of struggling. In that, and and I wanted to keep that simple. Where obviously they won't just talk about it to anyone that walks in, but they treat each other like they're tired of each other, or or human relationships don't really matter as much in terms of politeness anymore. The uh, the robots' arrogance or AI, whichever you refer to it, is, is is has been my favorite part of that so far, especially how we start to see it. Um, that the uh, the robots really have their own agenda and they really don't care about being forthright. <laughs> <laughs> I the only line I I wrote intentionally was the mo of chapter three. I don't use I don't really write scripts, which works sometimes. But um, 
the only thing I knew I needed for chapter three was that interaction at the beginning where the disciples being rude to Lars for stopping to drink water. That was the only, I was like, that's, I need that moment to emphasize their relationship. The little drop in there about missing fatigue. I was like, why does he miss fatigue? What's that all about? And then she asked something about drinking water. And I was like, all right, you're screwing with my brain. Thanks. Appreciate that. I'm getting there. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's implied, but I've got a reveal. I think it's the fifth chapter that he really, he spells it out for her because she doesn't get it either. Well, man, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would uh, like to give you the chance to to talk about the Kickstarter a little more, what's going on with that, uh, what your, you know, the tiers of things that you would like to hit if you can. I think we got, if I'm not mistaken, I think as of right now, it was like 20 or 21 days left on the campaign. So that's got to be reassuring that hopefully uh, you can continue to, you know, expand on what's offered. So let people know. Yeah, okay. So I've got Gardner is being collected as a single hardcover, and, and we're just making it as deluxe as it can. So right now, it's it's already got an epilogue. It already has a pinup gallery. And uh, I'm re-adding an old short that was one of the first stories I, I did set in Gardner's world. That's all getting added. It's, it's like minimum going to be a 232-page hardcover book. So it's going to be a big hefty thing you can either read or or – defend yourself with or both doorstop or a doorstop or a paperweight or it's limitless applications but we've got the book itself of course i've got a couple art tiers where obviously there's some original pages that I've, i'll have available but i've got uh, the rough sketches because i draw and ink everything traditionally i have the rough pencil sketches that i would normally treat like recycling but enough people told me not to that i'm like okay i'll, I'll let people have them so there's those, and we have T-shirts and pins of Goo Man, who is a, a, a fan favorite so far. I think that covers it, yeah. Well, great. And along with that, I know on your website you have a shop and you have things for sale, so tell people about that. Yeah, I've got, I got lucky enough to find Second at Best as the actual thing. I guess I should say, yeah, my all my social media is Second at Best in some way or other, but I can't have the full clean thing because some band that – Hasn't been active since 2014, has the Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> but sucks. I got the website. They didn't want to pay for that one. So I've got that. So I'm secondofbest.com. I, I do a lot of uh, T-shirts and and have been doing a lot of embroidered hats and stuff like that lately too. Oh, while, we're, while you're talking about tell me about the frogs. What's up with the frogs? Oh, my. I, I just like them. Um, <laughs> I, everybody likes frogs. I don't I don't even know why. But I, I had this idea to do a little short comic called – I'm going to do something larger, but I was calling it the Council of Frogs, where I was just thinking, how cool would it be for a gathering of little magical frogs to be doing some nice, wholesome shit? I, I was, I'd been really burnt out. I, I just got off doing a project that was so much time and so much frustration and ended up falling through anyway, and I wasn't enjoying drawing. And I sat down, I was like, I'm going to draw something for myself. And I drew this little frog comic that was a frog that was kind of bumming out about the the distance he'd gone on this this journey and and i i didn't ink it i i just used my pencils and colored over that and something about that just got me right back in to enjoying my own drawing and enjoying all this stuff so i started i made i made a little bit of merch and screen printed some shirts and and got some hats embroidered and way more people than i expected loved it it's the best it's the best merch i've done so it's it's a very simple idea of just like I think it's kind of they're just kind of cute and fun, and 
I like doing cute things in very rough settings. So it's just a little frog making his way. My youngest daughter, well, both me and my daughters, uh, really loved the uh, Over the Garden Wall series. Oh, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, the little frog that's in that that keeps getting renamed. And then uh, for uh, for Christmas, my youngest, she got a gift card for the pet shop and got herself a little frog. And now she's got two frogs. So frogs are a big deal. <laughs> Over here, so I don't have it in print, but I'll send you uh, the the council frog story. I'm gonna eventually do more, but I think it's it's wholesome and and family friendly. Unless she's afraid of spiders. Oh no! I, literally, she uh, her mother sent me a picture uh, of her at the uh, pet store the other day, and the guy at the cash register had uh, a spider on him that was crawling around. He re- she reached right out and he crawled onto her. So, so no, she's not scared. Perfect. And she okay. loves, that's the only way that I got the child reading is that she didn't want to read storybooks at all. She only wanted to read animal fact books. And then from there, she jumped over to Dogman and everything's animal related with her. So I'm sure she'd love it. That's how I got into all of this. I got into uh, animals and then Pokemon and then monsters and it, it's fell from there that was so it's it's a great jumping off point i know so many useless animal facts literally like we had all these storybooks left over from her older sister and she's just like no interest and i'm like i gotta figure out a way to get this kid to read what is she gonna read and i was like i never thought nonfiction. that's definitely what she's gonna want she's gonna want nonfiction animal books never yeah why would you ever assume that i was like okay you little intellectual jerk <laughs> Here, read about, you know, zebras. Tell me something about them. And she'd come back and just tell me all this stuff. And I'm like, man, as long as you're reading, that's fine with me. That's amazing. Yeah, I used to, I used to, kids would want to go outside and, and obviously play at recess. i go, I got to read as many books about deep sea creatures as possible right now. Like I'm on a, I'm on a, a tight schedule. I need to learn about these fish. I didn't like being active. I loved reading about octopus and, and, I can't remember what they look like. What there's some crazy long fish. It's not. It's having me stumble over that is not very interesting radio or podcasting. But I can picture <laughs> it perfectly. Well, man, it sounds great. It's been a blast talking to you. Uh, looking forward to uh, you know your Kickstarter getting finished up and getting a copy of the book at the end. Thanks for your time. It's been great. Uh, and just stay in touch. Anything else that you get coming out in the pipeline or any other stuff that you're working with other people. Before we go, just because we all love podcasts here, tell everybody about the podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I do, obviously, all the comics, drawing and everything, but my friend Liana Kangas and I decided it would be fun to start a podcast as well. So we do our own podcast called Comics Inebriated, where we have a different guest on every week. We have a drink or two. And we get them to talk about something they love. So we have people talk about any any range of comics-adjacent things. Sometimes it's not super comics-relevant, but it's always fun. And so it's really exciting. It's it's fun to have a different kind of tone and ep- uh, uh, voice every episode. Once again, sir, appreciate you coming by. Like I said, enjoyed the book so far. I think it's killer. Can't wait for the rest. And as for all the listeners out there, you know how to find me if you're listening to this already. So go check out Matt. Check out his podcast. Check out his book. Please, please go check out the Kickstarter. Uh, The links will be in the show notes. Thank you again. And thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Somewhere the Vulture. Bye.